Welcome, everybody, to the first podcast of Upon Further Review, where we discuss a classic film and we talk about whether or not it still stands up today, thoughts that we have, ideas for our dream remakes, and so on. The first film we did was Citizen Kane, where the premise of that is following the death of a publishing tycoon, news reporters scramble to discover the meaning of his final words. It was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy all of the shows that we have for the Aussie Cop Network. You can find a list of them and information, contact information, a whole bunch of stuff on aussiecop.com. Our current slate of shows are previously recorded live, Upon Further Review, this one, T Too Many, Getting Real with Zeke, Mind Your Business, and This Is Awkward. And to follow us on social media... On both Twitter and Instagram, it is at Prod, short for production. And you can follow me. I'm the moderator of Upon Further Review, Noah Kinsey. You can follow me on Twitter at the Noah Kinsey or Instagram, which is just Noah Kinsey. Enjoy. All right, welcome to the first ever Upon Further Review podcast. Yay! How's it going, guys? That's good. good. All right, I'm Noah Kinsey. I am the moderator of this. So let's go down the line, and who do we got for the panel? I'm Amy Cordova. Okay, that's cool. And, and I'm Craig Cunningham. And? And I'm Renee Michelle Aranda. <laughs> All right, great. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. Thanks for having so us. Yeah, thanks. We are going to be tackling uh, the alleged greatest movie ever, according to some sources. But first off, has anyone seen good movies lately? Like either the theater or DVD? Saw The Kingsman last week. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, it was great. That's it was awesome. really good. Perhaps a modern classic. Ooh, that's a bold it was really statement. Fun. I, know. I, I saw How to Train Your Dragon too. Oh, what did you think? That was awesome. I love that movie. Both of them are amazing. Uh, they are, right? The first yeah. one was great. It's like the yeah. two of the best. Thing. I was so surprised when I saw the first one. I watched the second one flying back from Chicago over uh, Christmas. It was, it was great, and I was not disappointed. It's, the cat, it's, it's like a cat dragon. So cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, what I love about those is they're not really formula compared to like other cgi films i mean the first one i legitimately towards the end i'm like i don't know how this is going to end yeah. i don't really know where it's going and this one i felt like the world opened up a lot more and it was pretty interesting and there's some major stakes in these movies that little kids movies don't normally have i mean i'm not going to spoil anything but i was just like holy crap I think that this that's is a kids what movie. a lot of new movies are starting to address are those things that maybe parents <laughs> didn't think that we were allowed to talk about with mm -hmm. kids before but how crucial it is that we do address some of those issues. Yeah, absolutely. The ones I grew up with um, in the 90s and everything, I feel like didn't talk down to kids. And somehow that kind of got lost as the years went on. And so you have kind of the kiddie friendly movies and everything like that, where I'm really happy because now it definitely seems the trend is more of treating kids that they understand more than we think that they do and that they're more mature and kind of can handle real things. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think it's great. It's just it's preparing them because they're going to deal with it at sure. one point or another. So why not just you know create? Yeah, it's something like Louis like C.K. says well. when the family dog dies, it's just a test run for grandma. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to expose true. them to death somehow. Might as well use it with cute dragons yeah. and funny characters. There we go. Have you seen anything recently? You know, I my mind is such a blur. I I don't even remember the last time I I saw a movie in theaters. Um, anything on DVD or Netflix or Amazon? Um, what? Oh, yeah. Flowers of War. If you guys have even heard of that movie, I mm -mm. hadn't. It's gorgeous. The cinematography and the story, it's it's about um, an American who goes over to J China while Japanese are invading. And it's just a bunch of people trying to run away and he ends up kind of stumbling upon taking care of these um, refugees. And it's it's just heartbreaking and breathtaking and so many kinds of achings. It's pretty who's, great. Who's in it? Christian Bale, actually. Oh. Yeah, I was surprised I hadn't heard of it. Wow. But it's really beautiful. 
It's amazing. Has anyone seen John Wick? I just saw that movie. No, I want to. Though. Holy crap! It's so good. Yeah, I really. It's amazing. It. Oh, it's so good. I, I Keanu Reeves is one of those actors where I feel like he hasn't had a good movie in so long. But this movie is freaking amazing. Yeah, you know, he's kind of a running joke, but I, I think he. I mean, this the was the perfect, perfect character for sad Keanu. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so awesome. Tortured. Have you, really tortured do you guys man. even know what it's about? No. No. He's start. I mean, I'm not. It's not a spoiler at mm-hmm. the very beginning, but he starts as sad Keanu because his wife dies. He gets a puppy. His house get atta- gets attacked. And they kill the dog. And they kill the dog. No spoilers, though, right? And no, it's just at the very beginning. <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me, that's not spoiling anything. But then he just goes on this rampage to get revenge and it's amazing i love those stories of when people just snap i forget what movie it is that uh i, I don't even remember uh, but just when the main character just snaps and kind of goes crazy and the whole uh, the rest of the movie is just kind of crossing and blurring those lines about what's right and wrong in society i love that yeah it's aw- it reminded me of have you ever seen payback sure with um, Mel, Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah. I love that movie where he gets revenge over $70,000 and no one can understand it's just $70,000. It's mm-hmm. like, but it's mine. Mm-hmm. Same thing. They're like, it's just a dog. He's like, I will kill you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend that movie. And Gone Girl. Did we see Gone yes, Girl? that was good. It was interesting. No? No. I didn't see oh, it. Not yet. I love, I, Not yet. I, I got it for a screener. I never would have seen it otherwise. I'm not really sure why, but for some reason, I'm like, I'm never going to see this movie, but I loved it. That and Birdman, I think, are the best movies from 2014. Birdman was great. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into it. So our first movie is AFI's quote-unquote number one best movie ever made, Citizen Kane. So thanks for watching that, for sitting through that classic from 1941. Has did ever has everyone seen it before? Or did they remember much? I know I haven't seen it for about 13 years. So all I remember is sitting with my friends, watching it in college, and just saying, if Rosebud is what I think it is, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> sure enough, I was super mad two hours later. But what about you guys? Did you, guys, did you remember it before? We saw it in high school, and then again this you know, today. And there was a lot that I didn't remember, you know, it's kind of dry for high school, Mm. but yeah, saw it today. Didn't remember much about it prior to. Yeah. I I also saw it like 15 or 20 years ago. And so uh, I remember like the, you know, the very contrast lighting and the long shadows and the, the long shots. So many long shots. Uh, And that's really and I, you know, remember feeling I, like I didn't know what was going on while I was watching it. Um, and so that whole putting a puzzle together at the end would, <laughs> meant so much more this time around. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I just remember the ending and, like, sort of the feeling, like a very sad, dark feeling uh, throughout the, from the, the film. I don't remember if I saw it or not, and maybe that's maybe I did see it. And like what you were saying, just, there's so much of it that was just so dark and foggy. I if I if they showed it in class, I definitely was not paying attention. So, um, but I made up for it because uh, I had to watch it. I was um, trying to do other things while watching it, and I just couldn't. I ended up watching it like three times just to make sure that I was paying attention mm-hmm. all the way through. So what do we think about it? And by the way, you don't have to keep going in this order. It's very polite of you guys, but feel free to jump right in and just say whatever. What do we think? Was it better than we, were, than we remembered or better than we thought it was going to be? What are, what are our thoughts? Having watched it three times to, to prepare <laughs> for this, it was better every time I, I saw it. I do have to say that. Yeah, I think it was better. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, okay. So I'll get to you, Craig. Here's the deal with this with this podcast. So I'm going to set the stage here. We don't need to be polite. We can get into it. So the whole point of this podcast is there's all these movies that are deemed classics or the greatest ever, or all this stuff. And I feel a lot of those movies have an asterisk saying for their time. They were amazing. They're revolutionary for their time. Well, I say let's throw out that bullshit grading on a curve thing. And is it good now? 
I mean, does it still stand up today? I, I think I think the thing is is that yes, it does stand up, but you have to understand like when you're going through it for its time, the language of film was so different then, yeah, and it is so in tune with how the language of film works. That's what I was going to say is you have to be a filmmaker to have appreciated the, this movie now at all. Um, because it's it's a lot like music. And so it's like uh, whenever you're changing keys and you're, you know, you have what's called a leading tone. And that leading tone can lead into like the next chord or the next progression. You can completely change keys. And so you, uh, let's look at like film as a, a chord. And so you have a picture, you have acting, and you have sound, and you also have shadow and lighting. And Wells changes. He uses these different notes to lead it into the next shot or to the next frame. And it's so beautiful. Like it really, really is a, a masterwork for its time on, on doing that. How things are cut together now are very, very, very different and a lot faster. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as like negative things go, I think we talked about this a little bit before we got started was the um, – there was a little bit of hokiness with the transformation as they got older. As good as it was at some places, there was like, wow, that is uh, bad. Like when he goes into the uh, cane smash thing. Mm-hmm. When he, uh, <laughs> ah, yeah. He's keeping his stature all. Yeah, like it's, I mean, it was, I had a hard time not laughing. Mm-hmm. I, I did laugh. It was very King Kong. Oh, it was great. Moment. It, was like, it was like King Kong and like Frankenstein and Cain, I am Hulk. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think... Um, for being the, the first time that they had ever done this kind of was a makeup transformation, it was definitely ballsy of them to do that. It was very and ambitious, it, and for the actors too to to make that kind of attempt and be the first actors to try to do that, I thought they did it well. Were there any notable moments or things that you want to talk or want us to talk about? I see you got notes. Oh, I took uh-huh. so many Cracking freaking notes. notes. I mean, it's. Yeah. Oh, I do have to say, you were talking about setting up the scenes kind of with, with his uh, cinematography and the, the way he chose to do that was when they go to talk to the second wife, it starts with this thundering, stormy, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of hokey, but I love that. I love mm-hmm. that they did the lightning and it's dark and raining. It's and very they, dramatic. Yeah, dramatically zoom into this thing where she's all moaning. Well, there's and like one of the big themes that I picked up this time around, I had no idea that it was there the first time, is the use of mirror and glass yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh that one in that particular too. because it, it repeats itself if it, it, they revisit it again so in that shot um you're it's thundering it's lighting and it's like it's you can't see through the the window pane much mm-hmm. like she can't see through her own pane and it's covered yeah. in water as she's or liquid as she's drinking and she's mm-hmm. wet and she's soaked from the alcohol that she's consumed mm-hmm. and then the next time we go through and it's it's dry and so there, and it's actually broken. Oh, so you go gosh, through this broken glass into, and you see her, and there's this broken human being, and she she can see through it now, and she see through what she is, and she's explaining her her story. But there's there's a lot of that, like even like when he's he's dancing with the girls, and you see his reflection. Um, and reminds uh, me at the end when he's walking just totally desolate along the mirror, and the, the infinite, infinite. Where when, he, raggedy, when he walks uh, off into the yeah. infinity yeah. and that's the last that you actually see him moving. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, and, but also like, uh, uh, whenever he, when, um, um, uh, what is it? Leland is mm-hmm. drunk mm-hmm. and he's pissed off and whatever. Monica, and Chicago. yeah. And, and no oh, Jed, Jebediah. Yeah. Jebediah and, and the rooftop windows are dirty mm-hmm. as Kane's life is getting dirtier. And and more disgusting, and he's mm. he's losing more more and more of himself, and so like this idea of reflection and uh, uh, and mirroring, and and that's what that's like what, what those those shots where they're talking heads and it's kind of boring and dialogue and everything like that. That's the stuff that gets me off though. Where I'm like, look how much effort mm-hmm. they put into yeah. this little bit of dialogue, and everything is thought out. And like, there's even a shot in that scene where there's like after he's lost the election. <laughs> There just it's right in the right uh, front panel for a second, and there's just an urn. What uh, looks like an urn? Mm-hmm. It might be a spittoon or something like that. But this part is dead. Mm-hmm. Like that part of his life is now over it's because gorgeous he's gorgeous. Because this was the first time that the they had this freedom from the studios. They were like, okay, here's this money. Just make a movie. I don't care what you do. Just make something. That they would go through all those mm-hmm. amazing, amazing details on their own. Twenty six year old Orson Welles. He's very. He was very handsome <laughs> before he got fat. Well. But that's a thing, though. I was I was reading about it, and actually, when he was the younger Citizen Kane, if you will, when he was younger, he put he had makeup put on to make him look younger. So he got a whole bunch of comments saying, "Like, whoa, you aged 
badly really fast. He's like, no, actually, I made myself look better at the younger time. So, yeah, he definitely mm. fattened up Brando yeah. style. But, like, <laughs> even when he was the younger Kane, they still had makeup to make him look way better than he was. Mm. I mean, this dude, I mean, you hear hear about all the big Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men and all that stuff where they sit down with the makeup chair. I mean, mm. Citizen Kane would sit from 2 a.m. to 9 a.m. getting his yeah. aging makeup on. I mean, that they've been doing that stuff for a long time. But yeah, I mean, I going into this um, after the first time, I just I was expecting to hate it like I did when I was 20. Mm-hmm. I remember I just I, just because I feel so many films. I mean, it's just a different way of filmmaking and a different way of storytelling. And you see a lot of films. I mean, even going back as early as the 70s or 60s and 70s, where the old last house on the left. I mean, the pacing is so much slower. We've definitely moved into an. Mm-hmm. ADHD type of mentality yeah. of film cutting and things like that. And that so much that even the modern stuff, if they do long shots, there's a purpose and there's a heft to it because they know that that's important. Mm-hmm. But back then, I mean, they did just long shots, even if it ne- mm-hmm. didn't well, they necessarily kind of, like false start with the movie too, with the news on the March yeah. segment where yeah. it's kind the of March like, of war. And that was, yeah. I, I almost hated the movie just from that, seeing it again. I was just yeah. like, what is this? But then they trick you and they're like, nope, just kidding. That was just this, you know, thing to set up what's happening. Yeah, and it's I get that that was a spoof of the types of news things reels. that they, right. news reels yeah. they would right. run when people would die and everything. I just, I, I guess we people can agree to disagree about whether or not that was necessarily a false start or kind of, yeah. I felt it was a little sputtery. Because I felt like it didn't mm-hmm. necessarily, the story didn't really start until after that. I, but. I agree, yeah. but I'll say this because I'm looking at this page right now. But what it does, though, is it, it completely sells how important this guy was yeah. like that. Because mm-hmm. it's like all, it's these, all these obituaries written in all these different languages and all these newspapers all over the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this guy is a titan of industry. He's sure. not just important in a small town. Mm-hmm. He is a world power. Yeah, and so that's, that's a good absolutely. point. And so that's why, that's why it was effective mm-hmm. for me. That's why I'm like... I, yeah, it's a little hokey, mm-hmm. but it did get a ton of information across a lot in a, in a slicker way for the time than you could possibly do with – I mean it would be like reading a Twitter feed now like, oh, <laughs> such and such. We were just talking about this is how I get my news. So yeah. you get Twitter. It's like, oh, such and such just died. And then you tweet it and it's like retweeted 500 million mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. It's like that's how you would do that now. Right. But it's, that's, that, that's the, the – that was the avenue that they had to work with as far as getting news across at that point. So – for me, I, I also love that they use that having based this off of an actual person, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. that felt yeah. like it was a little bit, little bit of an ode to to that, or a, a poke at him because I heard he was not very happy. It was all. a no. very ballsy but, move. No, I, and I think so. it's interesting the timing of us. This was not intentional at all about doing this, but the timing of what happened with the interview and uh, all yeah. the people trying to shut that shit down—that's so similar. To this, because Hearst was definitely, I mean, he offered to buy the negatives from the studio, but by that time, they had already screened the film a few times, so he couldn't, I mean, he was upset about it. There were, like, death threats, I guess, either during filming or afterwards. Um, Wells heard there was a rumor that basically a naked woman, when he opened the door of his hotel, a naked woman was going to fall into his arms and there was going to be a photographer mm-hmm. waiting to take that scandalous picture. Mm-hmm. So he ended up not even staying at the hotel. But, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of, a lot of stuff that happened that Hearst wanted this <clears throat> shut down. Mm-hmm. So any other notes we got here? Well, I think that that's funny how true to the film that even hearing that is about how many people loved him just as many or more hated him. Well, I mean, even with like the interview being, oh, it's unprecedented. Someone's trying to use persuasion to keep a film from being released. Mm-hmm. That That's happened a lot. I mean, let's be honest. That's happened a lot over yeah. the course of time. I mean, yep. and it's interesting that it even happened at this point. Yeah, they uh, still kind of make him an unsung hero, though, in the... Maybe not unsung. It definitely sung very loudly how much of, of a difference he did make for the better in the world. There's a quote in the movie that somebody asks him... Um, what he wanted to be. Oh, I love that. And he said, his quote was, everything you hate. Yep, that was his, mm-hmm. I, I guess, a oh, guardian. I would say that was his Talking guardian. Thatcher, it's not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who just took him for the lane. Right. Mm-hmm. Which leads us to Rosebud. Oh, boy. I, I still <laughs> just, I, 
I'm, I don't know how I feel about that. I remember being super pissed in college that that was what his last words meant. And I get it. I mean, you talk to a lot of people who that's their favorite movie. They're like, well, that was the last time he was truly happy. That was when he lost his innocence. That was back in a simpler time when he was truly happy and all this. And so that's, I mean, I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, but what do we think about it? I mean, first off, let's just say that there's a major plot hole. There was literally nobody in the room with him when he says that. There was nobody. The nurse comes in afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's, and Wells was even asked, it's like, if he was alone in the room, how would someone hear his last words? And his response was, don't tell anybody about this. Well, I know that his, uh, you know, they address it later when Thompson is talking to his butler who'd worked for him for 11 years. And he says, yeah, I heard him say it twice. That first Mm -hmm. time after after he had the huge fight Mm -hmm. and he walks out and then when he died. Even though he's not seen, it is addressed that he, he's not in the room. There's nobody in the room, and you don't see the butler right. in the room. Yeah. But Never. You see the, ma- or yeah, the nurse yeah. come in. I, I understand that. And it's so funny because, like, as I'm talking about the brilliance of how well this movie is shot and seamlessly put together, that you would leave out the person who's right. supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. So I don't, yeah, that is, that is a, a big problem. As far as Rosebud goes, I remember watching it and going, that's it? So mm-hmm. that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Are you? And then you, yes, I understand it is the last point of happiness and everything like that. And well, even in Jedediah, Jebediah, how do you say his name? Jebediah. Jebediah. He even says when he's talking to Thompson um, that the whole story is that all he ever wanted out of life was love. That's all to he ever wanted, loved. and his story was how he lost it. So I can see because he he doesn't that sled. <clears throat> He doesn't take it with him, right? He loses it or it's left behind. It's left behind. And, and then later he gets a Christmas present, but it doesn't say Rosebud on there. And it's when he's meeting um, Susan that he was going to go to the storage and mm-hmm. that's where he gets it. So I think that m- m- because Susan had just left him, that he remembered that he was about to go get that stuff. It's kind of what I had linked together was that was when he finally found that piece of his mom again. So losing her was not so much that he was losing her. But it was like losing that step closer to his mom because she was there when it happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think the argument can be made that, you know, he I mean, it says through the whole thing, he wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. his thing. He wants to be loved. And like you said, yeah, I so think that was it. He loses it was after love, he, went he snaps crazy. back to the day he lost his mom. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard for him to think about it. So he thinks an object. Well, what was an object? My sled. Right. Rosebud. I lost Rosebud that day. So maybe when he dies, it's like, this is the last thing you can lose is your life. And he knows he's dying. So, And there's no real suspense of his last words were radio flyer. (laughs) You know, then we know know what that was. But yeah, I don't, for me, going into it, knowing what it was, I still, I mean, I I get it. I just, I don't, I don't know how much I love it. I think it's, it's, I hate it because it's so true and simple, like where it's we try to make it all these complicated things because we're in these movies now with the short attention span wanting mm. them to be big huge awesome twists and like gone girl is like amazing because it's got all those things that you would never have expected but this it's just a man it's just the story about a human and like how he fails to cope with something like losing love and for it to kind of after all this stuff that they're trying to make it so complicated what was rosebud to have it just be simple mm-hmm. well he also says in the movie at some point, I forget who he's talking to, but it's uh, if I wasn't born rich, I had I would have had oh, the chance of being a great a man. man. I yeah. could have been a great mm-hmm. man, and I, th- you know, there is some resentment in. Mm-hmm. It, he fights. He fights it every step of the way. Sure. Like he gets Choking kicked out of school, kicked out of mm-hmm. institutions. He's never happy, and that's why he hates. Uh, was it Thatcher? Is that his? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So incredibly mm-hmm. much. Um. Because it's almost like he was handed this life that he wasn't supposed to have. It was never his. And so not being in control, you 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 want to take control of it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that – yeah, I, I think that having that attitude – I mean he's a – he turns into a bully. Mm-hmm. He, he's, instead of being a person for the people, which he talks about so much in the, you know, the, the decree of ideas or the whatever. However Declaration of yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he totally abandons that. Sure. And, 
you know, the, the, the idea of like what he could have been, what he could have been if his life had not been altered so drastically at such a young age. All right. What other notes we got? I just was speaking of the style of filmmaking and the the shots and how dramatic they were. I was I'm remembering the part where he's running for governor and he's up there giving that speech. And, you know, in the speech, he's he's standing up on stage and his arms are out to the side and he's just kind of, you know, raising his voice and he's talking so enigmatically. And I just thought, you know, wow, that guy, he is um, quite the speaker. And he, you know, everybody hung on everything he said and they trusted him. And yeah, but was he really for the people or was he really for his own gain or, you know? Well, he was going to try and put somebody in in prison and this is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite one of my favorite (laughs) subtle shots uh in the whole thing so when it after that's that Mm -hmm. shot and it crops up to the the mysterious man and it's you know has cane for whatever cane for governor but all you can see is an f an okay and an f which spells out falk (laughs) 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 and i was like yeah because that's exactly what happens after that it's you're fucked yeah Mm. and it's like and like then he shows up you know covered in dirt and Mm. she goes i can get you some hot water so he literally walks in for hot water to get into hot water with his second wife and it's like it's that it's that stuff it's Mm -hmm. that stuff how it's all weaved together i'm like this is some good freaking filmmaking (laughs) yeah so when I'm talking about the language of filmmaking, that's what I'm talking about. It's just all... They have a-, a couple lines that are just so memorable and beautiful. One of mine uh, was when he's talking to Thatcher. Um, Thatcher's barking at him about, like, why are you trying to do this newspaper thing? And he says, I'll let you in on a little secret. It's not only my duty, it's my pleasure. And that was mm-hmm. kind of piggybacking on, like, he's looking for love thing and he's fighting against the uh, the authority of who told him he was going to live this kind of life, choking on the silver spoon, mm-hmm. that he was doing all of this stuff because he wanted love and he he loved doing things thinking he was going to get the love back, politics and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, but- even with, with his second wife, I mean, he started pursuing her because he stopped getting the affection of his first wife. wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she didn't like who he was. He didn't, she no. didn't like the newspaper, and that, yeah. was every, yeah. that was his pleasure. Even when, oh, my God. Even when she's sitting across from the table reading the Chronicle, his mm-hmm. competitor newspaper while he's reading his, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God. I also <laughs> like, like whenever he uh, walks into the takeover of the office for the first day. I really love that scene mm-hmm. when he walks in and all the gentlemen are standing and he's like, oh, are, they, are these guys standing for me? Well, I'll tell them to stop. Mm-hmm. And then he moves into the, the editor's mm-hmm. office. And that's and I wrote down really big that what he said. Well, news is twenty four hours a day, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, the twenty four hour news cycle. Right. And I started yep. sweating right. heavily, and he's sitting there and he's eating these pieces of meat. I'm so hungry as he's yeah. eating up all of this new life and this new thing, this new passion that he finally found. He's eating it all up, and he can't satisfy it enough. And that kind of goes moves into like his relationship with everyone. It's like no matter what, he, this is the, the first priority. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Oh yeah, uh-huh. she talked about she talked about the silver spoon with her second wife. This was another one of my favorite shots because uh, he's you know he said I wish I always choked on that silver spoon, and when she tries to kill herself, and he walks in and discovers her. Mm-hmm. You know, there's her line. You can barely make out what it is, but all yeah. that is the is in the, the yeah the, the medication. But in the front left uh, part of the frame is just a big silver spoon inside mm-hmm. the cup. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. inside the cup, yeah. which she tried to kill herself with, and that's yep. yeah, you know, the money doesn't matter Mm-mm. yeah but it's so he uses it in so many lights where he's when he's talking to thatcher about the newspaper how he's going to spend a million you know lose a million dollars a year but for him it's for his passion mm-hmm. and that kind of i feel like anyone who's ever tried to break in the industry we can kind of relate with that where yeah okay we're gonna go broke we're gonna live out of our car but that's okay i don't care how much money i lose because i it's okay i'll i'll just do it until i die because this is what i want to do and he even though he had all this money he was still willing to sacrifice it for something that he believed he believed in. So mm-hmm. I thought that that was honor- honorable. Yeah, and I found it interesting, the use of camera angles and long shots and everything like that. Be, like when, whenever Orson was in the shot, he was always shot from the ground up. Yeah, to make look him look bigger. taller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas More when Alexander, body. she was always shot down because mm-hmm. she was more of the submissive character and he had mm-hmm. all of his... Right. The, There's a the very dominant. interesting use of shadow. 
uh, throughout the film and like the press I find interesting because you never actually see, their, see their faces. Face. Mm-hmm. They're always, yeah, I always found that yeah. kind of well, interesting. I think it's, but I, I think, think it's, it's really bright though because you... <laughs> well, it's symbolic. It's all the press. Well, yeah. It's not these it individuals. It reminds me of the, yeah, the, the internet the today press. is the same way where you don't, you can hide behind your internet persona. Yeah. Nobody knows who you are exactly. and yet you drive the internet. And it's almost like, an alter ego. But yeah. whenever he, uh, you know, he tells, he he, he bullies. He's yeah. a bully. Mm-hmm. He is. And, and when he, she's, he tells his... He's your best friend until you disagree with him. And he tells her that she's going to keep on singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just stands in the the shadow just looms over her, this large shadow. Mm-hmm. Just loo- mm-hmm. And it's just so scary. Yeah. And she just cowers. Oh, and you know, did did you anyone look up what the opera song she was singing at the beginning? No. What the theme of it is? Mm-mm. So it's an actual song. I don't remember the name of it, but basically the story is a woman who wants to escape with her with the man like her mistress basically like the man that she's cheating on mm-hmm. her husband with cuz she wants to get out from under the thumb of a dominant mm. which is her situation which there was uh they, I don't I'm not sure if they ever filmed it but there was going to be a sub story where basically she was having an affair with someone else um where she and he caught them doing it and mm-hmm. everything and Orson claims that he took it out because it just wasn't long enough. I mean, granted, that definitely fits in with that the song during the opera. Um, but the, uh, where that came from is the the real fellow that this is based off of. Mm-hmm. His mistress um, Davies. She was having an affair with Charlie Chaplin, and the rumor is he walked in on them having sex, oh. and Charlie Cham- Chaplin ran off. Like pretty much without clothes on. So anyway, so that, but he took, he really took that storyline out because he felt the pressure that, I mean, he was trying to kind of be subtle and say, I mean, he even says like, oh, I actually based off of a couple of captains of industry, but Mm -hmm. man, I mean, those similarities, it's. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple lines in it that I thought were questionable. Uh, Like whenever um, he comes back to see Leland. And uh, he's passed out drunk mm-hmm. uh, to write the review. To write the review of the song or the opera, excuse me. And uh, there's a question that somebody asks. Um, oh God, what's the other Bernstein? Bernstein, yeah, Mr. Bernstein. Mr. Bernstein. He <laughs> does asks, not have a first name in the movie. Asks asks Bernstein um, something like leading. And Bernstein goes, well, no, what do you, there's no reason. It's almost insinuating, like, did they have a a lover's spat? And I was like, well, they were boyhood Mm. friends and they've known each other forever. And I was like, is that like some weird insinuation? I I didn't think I was reading into it too much. I just like, that was just like a line where I was like, what the, that was so open-ended. Right. And, and uh, Bernstein was such a, a blind supporter of Kane, oh sure Kane. he's a little cheerleader yeah that mm-hmm. he would never ever say anything if he knew anything but if well, anybody he even kn- he backs that up when he says to Le- when leland says am i a stuffed shirt and bernstein goes well if you think i'd say anything other than what kane told you you're out of your mind mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah he knew where the money was yep. coming from mm-hmm. absolutely that's for sure. I guess that'll show you. Well, he even has uh, his portrait. He's got Kane's portrait right behind his, him. Yeah, he's like huge. Yeah. yeah, when he's yeah. when he's the old guy, he still has uh, that up there. Yep. Nobody's telling him he has to do this. Kane's dead, and he's mm-hmm. still. That's that's his little altar to mm-hmm. his god. It's a weird shot too, because uh, talking about mirroring and reflections and the windows and everything like that. His desk is so polished that you see his reflection. I know mm-hmm. crystal clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what that means though. As I've as like <laughs> as I've been trying to like that was like the one where I was like trying to wrap my brain around that it. That means it was super clean. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, does he just because he's just such a cheerleader that he just oh, oh, like maybe that, he's maybe. because everything with Kane is so muddied and shadowed. Maybe Bernstein's supposed to just be this total clear. That's kind of what I got. Character yeah. is yeah. just, just but at the pure. same. Yeah. At the same time, it bothered me that you would follow such a corrupt Well, maybe because you usually you're attracted, <laughs> opposites attract, you're attracted to what you aren't. And so maybe in yeah. Kane, Well, you know they power. say you never want to meet your heroes. Well, mm-hmm. that's kind of, maybe Bernstein was a little mm-hmm. denial. I mean, mm-hmm. even during that talking head segment, he kind of yeah. talks about Kane, not exactly, you know. Uh, speaking of which, I did meet Bob Dylan last week. About you? not you meeting, did. about not meeting really? your heroes. Oh yeah, how'd that go? Uh, Bob Dylan talks to people like he has enough enemies already. Oh. Really? 
Wow, that's whoa, that's a little tense, a little intense. Well, he had just—it was the day after he'd given the the whole big speech uh, the, about talking crap about Waylon Jennings and all the critics and. You guys that kind of, li- no. I mean, even with Kane, that's a great um, analogy to our own lives. That whole fame thing—that's—I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And yet, all these people come flocking to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to be famous, and they have no idea what that kind of life is. Well, like. and they don't even know if that's going to make them happy. Mm-mm. You yep. know, Take and I mean, that's a, yeah. I mean, he had everything, and he wasn't happy. Nope. Do you think that comes from him being an only child? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something to do with his parents. Giving him away? Yeah. I never yeah, fully no, I understood that. Yeah. Because... I think it's that the father was abusive, right? Isn't the nah, mom even but says... I, maybe, maybe there was not... I mean, maybe there was insinuation that... that what's, what's, the, looked, what's the guy's name? Thatcher? Yeah. Maybe it was insinuated that Thatcher was going to take him to court with child protective services things in mind I but basically so. it was so thatcher could take land that's now valuable i think it makes money the but actress, it doesn't really make sense to me that's what i love about the movie like beside everything else is the the performers were pretty pretty devout to the characters that they had mm-hmm. and the one that played his mother was dead inside she just she yeah. didn't even try to hide how dead she was no. and, yeah, she was stone cold. Mm-hmm. She even had that line, Go I've had his bag packed man. for weeks. So if she was yeah. prepared for yeah. weeks to get rid of yeah, this kid, exactly. and then she makes that line like, well, that's why he's going away, so you can't get at him. Right. I really think that, that it was the father I, was abusive. Well, I think, I think it might be that, but I also think that it's like, if he's going to, if he has the opportunity to be raised better than we were, exactly. right. then... Then she thought we, she was helping. But, yeah, yeah, I mean... Absolutely. No, I mean, I'll be honest, my grandfather was given away. Like his mother was so poor that yeah. this is not this was mm. in the you know the middle of the twentieth century. It's not, it wasn't that yeah. long ago. So it was like he was given away to a school marb in you know rural Pennsylvania, where because she knew that he would be given an education. Now he was a mean son of a bitch right. <laughs> until later in life. But because you just don't get over stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. You don't get over being given away. And, and I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 there's a part of me that really understands that part yeah sure pain, where i'm like yeah i know i've seen it firsthand of what it, what it's like and one thing that i find interesting to think about i don't know how much stock to take in especially if this is mostly fiction if it's based off of a real person or real people the fact is every flashback that we've seen in this just about every flashback we've seen is from the perspective of the people that that reporter is talking to mm-hmm. so i mean once again when you see certain elements i mean there could be some embellishments there yeah. could be mm-hmm. certain missing holes that were put together by this person's account because i mean every single one of the flashbacks from the first person you started interviewing was from that person it started and ended with that so there's kind of what's man and what's myth it kind of created this this infinite kind of persona though like with the mirrors we were talking about when he walks through the hallway and it's just mirror upon mirror Mm -hmm. of him and he's just infinite this is his legacy goes on forever the way they did those flashbacks because it was from from person to person witness to witness it wasn't chronological it was so it was so all over the place it Mm -hmm. almost felt like you know him even better now because you don't really know what to think. Because you're seeing phases of his life instead of it being chronological. Mm -hmm. And I really, I don't know if if you guys had that same thought while watching it, but it really struck home when he finally did talk to Susan Alexander, Mm -hmm. where especially when she's putting the puzzle together and he goes to sit in the armchair of this living room that... Where? Cannot Cavernous. have that yeah. cannot have feng shui. Yeah. So because yeah. it's so. I mean, you have the couch, and then really way sheet. behind it is the, the floor armchair. Would get tired halfway through the room and just be like, I give up. He's way far away from her having a conversation, He's and it's, at it's just the room. this room is just endless. It's just this dungeon, basically. And I'm like, yeah. man, this is her painting a story when she's talking to the reporter of just how cold Mm -hmm. and how just empty and vast that this world was because she was bored out of her mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, it didn't seem like she had much of anything going on before she met him, Mm -hmm. but definitely she was a little 
puppet for she him wasn't after a some prisoner point. yet. Yeah, she wasn't right. a prisoner at that point. And I think you make a good like calling it a dungeon. It ha- that's actually a- absolutely how it feels. Mm-hmm. Like echoing that did not dank. feel like a home it was at cold. all. Even though it wasn't in color, I still felt like everything was just stone because of all the statues. Yeah, I felt great. like they went into a room at the Getty Museum and just took down the paintings <laughs> and like this is your living room. I mean, it's oh. just it was massive. I, but I, I, you just brought up the statues, and that you know makes me click again. Like the as the as you know they. Um, as it's starting the newspaper and they keep getting more and more subscribers mm-hmm. and it's almost like collecting the statues is the same mm-hmm. thing as collecting people. Yeah. He except they people. can't leave you. Yeah. Right. He was a people collector yeah. as was Hearst. You know, mm-hmm. he had these grand parties constantly. He had tons of people around him always. He didn't want to be alone. Yeah. Because that could go back to his mommy and daddy issues and, you know, being sent away. But um, he definitely wanted to love and he wanted to be loved, but it was really on his own terms. He had very specific terms for that. And he wanted people, people to play his game. Absolutely. And he paid whatever he, price that, that was. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, do you think that's with, with the sculptures? Do you think that's what that was about? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, he wanted to oh, buy yeah. some sort of company that wasn't going to leave him because they can't unless someone and they're all going to lap at his joke well the the (laughs) the best honestly the best (laughs) line of that whole last scene as they're going through all this stuff is two hundred eighty thousand dollars that's a lot of money to pay for a lady without a head yeah and i was like oh because that's actually what he wanted yeah Yeah. he just wanted a body Mm -hmm. and a woman without an opinion without any anything between her ears and it was just a little throwaway line. I was like, Duh, that's so good. And I thought so, actually Alexander's character, Susan, was interesting because I, I thought she was so annoying. But at the same time, she played her so well because she's just a 22-year-old girl yeah. kind of thrown into this thing. And yet she still somehow finds the strength to leave him. Mm-hmm. And that made me really love that character. With What kind of strength does it take to yeah. leave this man who's built this How Nobody even knows how expensive that building was. And can we all agree that her bedroom was super creepy for like an eight-year-old girl i mean can we all agree i mean it was yeah. it there's was like stencils of cats and birds yeah, yeah and there's like really dolls weird. and all this stuff that he went crazy on i yeah. mean it just when i saw that i'm like that's not i felt like that was his character it was like a dollhouse that yeah. he made for her she was yeah, one of absolutely dolls. right i just thought that that was definitely something of <laughs> note because it was so i'm like wow this is so creepy mm-hmm. I feel this movie, once again, seeing it now again for the first time in like 13, 14 years, definitely was ahead of its time in a lot of different ways. Like the 24-hour, where it's like news happens 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. It only took America like 30 more years to come around with the 24-hour news well, cycle. Did you guys right? notice the truck in the very beginning when the movie starts and it's, it says um, like now world map in color? There's a truck that passes by that says that. And I was like, that's, that's interesting. That kind of sets the, the mm. era. It was the first world map that was in color for print. And even the movie, when it came out, was ahead of its time. It actually, I looked it up. It did not do well when it first came out. It was a flop. Not surprised. Yeah, they lost a lot of money doing it. Um, let's see. It says, yeah, even, oh, this is crazy. So at nineteen at the nineteen forty one's Academy Awards, the film was booed every oh, time man. one of the nine nominations was announced. It was only re released to the public in the mid fifties. Wow. So that is nuts. And actually for mm-hmm. them to for RKO who produced it to make money off of it, they had to package it with another film. Well that reminds mm-hmm. me of all the painters back in the day that they weren't famous when they were right. alive. And right. yet your painting's yeah. not valuable until you're dead. Yeah. yeah. Thousands of years later, then all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they were booing the movie because Hearst paid them to. Mm-hmm. Well yeah. that's that's the thing. I can only <laughs> imagine I can only imagine at the time because Hearst, you know, threatened to make the film bomb, and I think he did a great job of it because mm-hmm. he owned the newspapers and definitely mm-hmm. all of those reviews had to be super negative and he had a big mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was amazing that Orson Welles got this funded to direct, write, star, all that stuff. But there's still a lot of people way more powerful than he is. He was just smart enough to know how to play Mm -hmm. the game. I mean, yeah, like Renee, you were saying about the whole let him do his thing. But part of what what was in the contract was he was not to be disturbed. But the studio, which obviously Mm -hmm. I don't know who would sign that, they still... um, they still tried to have little spies and things check out 
what happened. And every time that there was mention that a studio head was coming to check out the filming, they would cut and they would play softball until the studio <laughs> executive left. Oh, man. So, I mean, there definitely was. And once again, I don't know what who at RKO is just like, yeah, give him carte blanche to do right. whatever he wants because that's just not how things go. Yeah. But he was smart about it. I mean, even with um, the, the actress that played Susan Alexander, the reason she was sitting at the table so much is because she was actually pregnant during filming. And Orson Welles loved that because he felt that that would give um, the studio the feeling that he could be done on time. Because as we know, we right. all know that films right. tend to go over budget, over their their time limit. And his did go over budget a little bit, but it stuck with the timeline and he felt that would make them feel more confident. So he definitely knew how to play the game. I think it's pretty great to see that even now, the only way a lot of the actors that I know are making it is because they're literally making it mm. themselves, mm-hmm. producing their own work. And to see that that's exactly what in 1941 Orson yeah. Welles had to do too. That was his big splash. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, well, I should say that was one. big thud <laughs> yeah. because it didn't do this well when his, it came out. This was his legacy though. It, this absolutely. was it. Because here we are talking that's about right. it. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I'm trying to remember, there's a there's a mention in there, or a little nod to his War of the Worlds radio show in the movie, and I cannot remember what that was, because do you oh, guys know about or... this? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. hilarious, the whole radio show where yeah. they had the disclaimer at the beginning that this was a dramatization and it wasn't real, and people who, but people who tuned they in a little bit too late out. thought yeah. that it was a real alien yeah. invasion. So there's a nod in the movie, but I don't remember what well, that he, was. There are a couple of times when he's talking to people about the Spanish war and like, uh, there will be no war. And he makes a couple comments about that. Yeah, that was definitely, I, I liked it. Cause there was a shot of him with Hitler. Oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I did not remember that from the <laughs> yeah. first time. That that I saw it. From when he was going for governor, when he's standing up there, I felt like it oh, was yeah, some kind very, of. Oh yeah, there's very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was very, very I think that was intentional too. Yeah, I think right. absolutely. I gotta have a funny question. So, since Bring ho- it. Hollywood's on the the wonderful remake. So if we remake Citizen Kane, who, who do you, who do you cast? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. I mean, that would be amazing. Oh, All I want is to be loved. I wonder. I wonder how many incredible. how many years it'll take before they do it because that's. I mean, it's. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about that too because Hollywood and Hollywood always has loved a remake. Let's mm-hmm. just, yeah, I mean, yeah. granted, it's, it's on there upswing, are more but of them than Scarface there are. was a remake. The Thing from 1982 was a remake. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time, but I feel, I feel like the industry would consider it blasphemy if you did. Oh, but they redid Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Like that one I thought was untouchable, mm-hmm. and yet they did it. But that, I'm going to be the only person probably in the world who defends that movie, that is closer to the original book. Ronald Dahl now, hated see, what if Willy Wonka. Does a remake closer to the actual Hearst? Hmm. I'd say. Well, I think that that's fine because there's still some plausible deniability about. Oh, well, it's sort of about him, but I, mean, I man, was surprised it is. to it hear is. about a. He's got a living relative, Amanda Hearst, the fashionista. She's beautiful, by the way. She does modeling and fashion. She's still oh, alive. Patty Hearst. Those rich guys didn't marry mm-hmm. ugly people. No. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, and I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of. Children and grandchildren that, that are undocumented. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Did right. you guys notice that the man that was running against him as governor? Gettys. Yeah. Did you know Jim they w. pronounced w. it Gettys, yeah. but it was spelled Gettys. Gettys. Yeah. yeah. Very intentional. Sure. So I, I like your idea, Craig. Let's let's recast this. Let's think oh, who... We don't have to do it. We, we okay, can... Jennifer Lawrence as Susan Alexander. You think she could pull that off? I, too, no. I think it would, Amy Adams plays more of the, the basket case. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how she was in Big Eyes. I know that's that's an uncanny impression. She did not come in the room, everybody. That was me. But I think, yeah, no, I yeah think I agree, Amy I Adams would probably do it. If David O. Russell directed it, then definitely Jennifer Lawrence would be in it. Probably for a role where she's way too young for it. And then Christian Bale would play... Yeah. Kane, right? <laughs> you know what, though? I think if they recast that, that's probably who their go-to person yeah, I, would probably. Well, I, 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 think, I think we have to, like, break it down from director. Yeah. To, Ooh, I like that. Okay. okay. Yeah, so let's, let's pick our director. Right. Some of them are given. Like, let's throw out Scorsese right okay, now because we know Leo we'll be Leo. Yeah. Exactly. 
which actually I did think of Wolf of Wall Street a lot while watching mm, this movie. Especially with a the lot. speeches. Yeah, the speech a lot when of came those in when, with the, the big band and the girls coming in to dance. I was yeah. like, this is exactly like that scene when the yeah, business takes off. Yeah, instead of a big band and the Rocketeers, yeah, it's, it's the just a bunch of and, naked yeah. hookers. That was like one of the two times there was black people in the movie, too. Yeah, yeah it's true. they were both musicians. Yeah, yeah I love how they the did the close-up of the guy it. playing the piano. His mm-hmm. hands. Look, his hands are black. We're... Yeah, the, uh, that's it. We're diverse. It's a world of white people. Yeah. Oh, uh, look, they're smoking those jazz cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, I can dig it. <laughs> so what director? Hmm. Uh, Terry know. Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I'll jump on that. Right? Because that, that can get real weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's real fast. We talk about shadows and... Odd angles and you yeah. Know, let's discuss dramatic. who would Hollywood hire for that. I think Terry Gilliam would be pretty great. Yeah, actually. I, I love it. I like I like that one. Yeah, I think we're taught right now. We're talking ourselves into wanting a Citizen <laughs> Kane remake <laughs> right now. I think that that's what's happening. Citizen okay. Kane two. <laughs> <laughs> he's back and he's yeah. Citizen Kane <laughs> back for more. <laughs> no, I actually didn't catch it the first time when they talk about his first wife and son dying in a car crash. Yeah. It was just because it was in that first news on the march thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that until watching it again. And it was uh, weird that that, was, that wasn't. That was really, weird. I don't feel like that that was discussed. No, it wasn't ever at all. It was just it in the was beginning. Touched news on, and then but that was that. That also kind of goes back to the fact that once they were out of his life. The people around him, it, he was, it wasn't part of his narrative anymore. So why, I guess, why would those people talk to the reporter about that? Because mm-hmm. kind of out of sight, out of mind, that's kind of how Kane was. If he, if he had a lost cause, he just kind of cast him aside unless he had control mm-hmm. over him, like with Susan Alexander. And he but, didn't seem like the type that was going to impart, you know, childhood wisdom to his kid. What's he going to say? Exactly. Yeah, I felt, I yeah. felt yeah. that. Hey, kid, you don't get a trust fund. You'll thank me later. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be yeah. happy poor. But all right, Terry Gilliam. Mm, Why who not? Would, Why not? I'm trying to think who the actor would be. Hmm. For Kane, right? For for, for sure. Kane. We can cast Young because I mean, you know, he was yeah. 26 yeah. when he did it. Yeah. So uh, Shia LaBeouf, anyone? No. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, anyone? Uh, uh, no, but I think he's. LaBeouf. I think he's Shia. on. I think Shia's <laughs> en route to this to be his life story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's definitely kind of getting to that larger than life, mm-hmm. empty void chasm status. I don't know. How old is he? Uh, probably know. 26 or 27. Yeah. Well, there mm-hmm. you go. All right. So Shia LaBeouf is so there. Charles yeah. Right. yeah, I think I that can, that's... I, not I can't tall, not see that. I can't not see yeah. it. Yeah. 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 All I, right. Yeah. I think I still think Amy Adams for... Or maybe for Amy Adams for the... Well, no, I think I still say her for Susan Alexander. Well, no, well now we've got to or... do the age thing, though, because if it's Shia playing Kane, she's got to be 22 when he's however old. True. True. Hmm. I would cast Emma Stone in anything. Oh, I was just oh, thinking yeah. that. She She did that I, I in that gangster be... uh, movie. Gangster right? Squad. Yeah, Gangster Squad. Oh, yeah. She yeah. played yeah. the real young yep. thing. Yeah. I really hope people back then spoke like that in the movie because I feel mm-hmm. like that those radio. movies... I'll have those voices. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I, I feel that would really bum me out if I went back in time and they weren't right. speaking. Hey, where do you think you're going there, mister? Like, <laughs> I, I, I did want hear that. someone say it was for the radio, that there was a specific think, radio. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I'm thinking too. I don't, but I want to believe that that's how <laughs> people used to speak. Well, then that's, then that's how they spoke. There you go. That's true. Thank you. You can Craig. sleep easy tonight. Oh, the, you know, that reminds me of those, some of the campy lines in this movie, like when, uh, when uh, Kane comes back with his first wife and someone goes, let's go to the window. Uh, <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Yes. There yeah. was a lot of let's explain oh, an yeah, action yeah. and yeah. then we're going to do it. There was a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. But it just went at the, the news of the world or whatever at the beginning just reminded me of the South Park movie where it's like the march of war. Let's hear it for our boys in blue. <laughs> I'll, that being said, the, for the movie being made when it was, there were very few of those. Yeah, there were only there a couple, were, but man, yeah, yeah, they, they really they stuck, stuck out. out. <laughs> Whereas usually, like, oh. I'll take you over to this bed. <laughs> I'm going to touch your head. With my head. <laughs> Did you guys catch that filthy part in the movie where he's with his first wife and they're across the table and she's like, why do you have to go in so early? He's like, well, maybe I don't have to go in so early. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I can postpone things like 15 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cue the music. I did catch that. Did. That was... She was a was rich socialite creepy. where sex is just 
not as glamorous as Ooh. money and status but and everything. But she wanted her some Citizen Kane. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's it made it more powerful when yeah. they get more and more distant than after that, yeah. and that's all just completely gone. Although I did think it was a little... Uh, maybe not over the top, but when he's just like, what I tell them to think, and he's just, exactly. he sets the cup down, I was just like, okay. Didn't it seem but like the table got a little bit longer? Oh, no, it did. It yeah, did. Yeah, it no, did. They sat, yeah. They're sitting next to each other at the beginning. Yeah. Of, like the, yeah by the exactly. as, as the days Several. went on, yeah. and then when she had the competitive or competitor paper. Great yeah. movie so making like, right there. Uh, it's real really marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, that's, that's bleak, but probably more accurate than that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I know a lot of people, I mean, I know Rosebud's one of the, mm-hmm. it's w- one of the top movie lines and people yeah. make jokes about it. Oh, Rosebud, is that a vagina? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, if rumors are true, yeah, that was her s- nickname for Davy's genitalia Whoa. for I her clitoris. That. Yep. Wow. That, that was a thing. So oh. uh, subtle, okay. subtle Wells, his 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 mistress. Yeah, so well that's why that's why there's so many different little elements that Orson Wells can definitely be like. Oh no, it wasn't about one person. It's like, oh, all right, gosh. dude, but yeah. you're picking a lot of specific yeah. things from that guy. Well, life. that's a really good one though, because mm-hmm. it's not like hers can go out and be like, he's talking about my yeah. mistress's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> this is heresy. <laughs> <laughs> Smash! Oh, and apparently he did that in one take. Went crazy on the room, which I don't know who would want to reset that up. Apparently his hands were all bloody afterwards. Oh, really? That reminds me of um, in Django, was it? When Leo DiCaprio smacks his head Mm. down and that's And it really bleeds? Yeah, Yeah, it was real blood. Yeah, that's amazing. But yeah, I'm actually kind of going back to I'm super surprised that I didn't hate it. Yeah. Me too. I just, mm-hmm. because I was in college, I was studying film, you know, I was studying theater and I was studying all that stuff. So I, you know, being the young guy, I'm like, well, I'm learning all about this. Mm-hmm. So I would know if it's good or not. <laughs> but since then, being in the industry and working on films and working on projects and everything and actually having the physical experience for what it takes to make that film and what it was, I... There were parts that were incredibly dry because the pacing was different back then. Mm-hmm. But man, I have so much more appreciation. I'm not going to say it's in my top 10 favorite mm-hmm. movies ever, mm-hmm. but I have so much more appreciation for it now. It's a really Absolutely. well-crafted film. It, it, really I mean, it goes is. back to the it very first. And just when you read, I know I've been throwing a lot of trivia crap or a lot of little behind the scenes fact. Hopefully that's not crazy boring. But when you read all of it, it's he also did a lot of problem solving. Like the little visor that Jed wore in the or Jeb wore like luminosity. <laughs> well, you know what that was his his old man wig wasn't staying on his head, so that was problem solving that oh. Wells did was to keep the wig on there. Was so yeah, I was I was impressed, and I I don't think I would have been if I w- weren't working on stuff now. I just I I don't think though that the average person could get through the movie. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think you have to watch it with intention, and I don't mean to go on a podcast and talk about it. Right. But just you you have... I get why AFI has it. Yeah. In its list. I I definitely get that. And you have to. You absolutely have to. If it's not number one, it has to be in the top ten. It just has to. Well, I'll say this, too, and as we were talking about, like, just remakes and, you know, things like that. The fact that this that this movie would be it would be blasphemous to try and remake it. I think that says a lot mm-hmm. because Hollywood yeah. will, yeah, they'll mine anything. Yes, yeah. just and about. I, and I, if if there is a, a nut to crack, it will be cracked. And I don't think you can crack this. Like I do think it, it stands alone by itself as a real work right. of art. Yep. But I think the the main reason that it's not going to be made because it's considered such, since the accountants pretty much run the studios. <laughs> There would be way too much blowback to be making this where I feel like there's no way to justify that it could make its money back because so many people would feel that it's untouchable. And mm-hmm. I think from a financial standpoint, yeah. because mm-hmm. of, per, I mean, per, in our in our town, perception's everything. I mean, yeah. you have all the blogs and things like that. I mean, those can make or break a movie before yeah. it comes out. Yeah. Right. And I feel with this, it just financially it could not happen would i love to see a remake starring nicholas cage hell yes 
That would be bananas. That would be amazing. Well, I think what they'd have to Michael do is... Michael Bay directs. <laughs> <laughs> Way more. Oh, it's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> no. uh, hey, yeah, how are you doing, Susan? Yeah, they would have to modernize it to, to, to be some friend. kind of like the Google executive or something. It would, have, it would, have it would absolutely have to be different yeah. because mm-hmm. the fact is that I still believe this movie is so ahead of its time with so many different themes of things that Orson saw in the early 40s that have happened that I feel like it'd just be a retread because you would have to be foreseeing so much stuff in the future for that people to see it 60 years later and be like, oh, my God, what they talked about in this movie is now happening now. 24-hour news. Absolutely. There's just so many different things. And not every movie needs to be remade or remade into 3D. (laughs) Or colored, recolorized. You listening to Great Gatsby? Don't ever do it again. Oh, my gosh. You're still grounded. Did you like The Great Um, Gatsby? Oh, my gosh. It was just a bunch of colors, like, thrown up on the screen. That's Baz Luhrmann. Well, that was, yeah, I was going to say mean, that I was just like a, spring a good breakers. kaleidoscope for about 30, 13 seconds. Right? Exactly. I, I owned one of those when I was a kid and put it against the sun. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. I don't want to see a movie with that. Yeah. It tries to have a story. But yeah, I mean, I just, and I do, like, Renee, like you said, I do believe that most people would not appreciate this film. You, yeah. Like, if it was currently made, people would be like, well, that's boring. Well, Yet remember, another biopic. Were right. we talking about this before the podcast started about sitting in the moment and, like, the good, the bad, and the mm. ugly and those other films? Yeah. Where back in the day, it was all about that, like, realness of the, the tension and the right. reactions. And now we just, we need explosions. We need the we need the boobs. We need the whatever to just keep it right. going. Or, right. yeah, I just, I don't think that we're uh, programmed for it right now. No, right. and I don't. I really don't think it would have to be made for award season, which award season would absolutely shut it down nope. because award nope. season does not want remakes. Nope. It does not want that. But I think if we made a biopic about the actual man this is based off of, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. And that'd be, I mean, that would literally completely be a different. I have a great segue story. into a, a pitch for what something that I'm working on. Well, let's do it. Uh, so Second City, Hollywood. Yes, there is one uh, <laughs> located in uh, Hollywood and Wilton and glorious Hollywood. Uh, we do a show every Thursday called Yes, Weed Can. And it discusses in sketch format uh, the trials and tribulations of one woman trying to uh, figure out her way as she quits pot. And uh, there's a flashback including uh, William Randolph Hearst and uh, a few other uh, historical figures including George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. You can see it every Thursday at 8 o'clock at the Second City Hollywood. Hmm. Uh, Come see it. It's hilarious. You'll laugh. You'll cry. And there's songs. And dance, sort awesome. of. There's I a do. box step that's terrible. <laughs> you brought up uh, the William nice. Hurst and the uh, the weed thing. I, I wanted to hear more about that. Someone mentioned that that he actually had something to do with the, the illegalization of it. Or legalizing. Yes, the, the, the criminalization of marijuana. That actually was called cannabis. Right. And mm-hmm. those gentlemen in a dark, smoky room, I imagine, uh, came up. <laughs> they wanted to attach it to something that was uh, perceived as evil, which was the Hispanic word, which was marijuana. Well, that was because it was it would have shut down the paper industry, right? Paper, mm-hmm. oil. That's what I remember. Yeah, there was, yeah, hemp is right. so it renewable. Pretty much went illegal at the same time alcohol did. People forget that it was legal for mm-hmm. a long time, yeah. but during mm. Prohibition, The it king was gone. actually decreed that uh, all of the uh, col- colonial colonies, people living them, <laughs> they had, they were forced, they were mandated to grow hemp. Really? Yeah, that's a, that's the truth. Yeah, it was, it was either um, him or Nate Dog who said smoke weed every day. Right. I mean, all day, but I think that day. that was the king yeah. first. Actually, <laughs> all right. Do we have any any more more thoughts on this? I we do good. We did it, you guys. All that right. was that was amazing. All right, let's. Do some do some plugs, Amy. You have anything you want to plug, or I'm currently the just Kingsman. you know we just did the Kingsman. I do publicity for Fox on a freelance basis, so I'm project. She's based. the best. I am the best. He she is, is correct. Best. She's he amazing. Is, so does not work lie. For Rupert Murdoch. I am a freelance. As <laughs> 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 we talk about Citizen Kane and right? moving yeah. to Fox. Damn Aussies. Um, But I, um, you know, I'm here for all of your public relations and film publicity needs, as no one knows. Are you you on Twitter? 
I am on Twitter at Amy J Cordova, but you know, enter at your own risk. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. <laughs> All That's right. right. Craig, you kind of went into one of your plugs a little bit early, which is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy that Taking it kind initiative. of that was great. has <laughs> some, something, some of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, we can. Second City, Hollywood. Uh, Anything else? What else? Yeah, um, I also work for the uh, a couple theaters downtown at the Palace and the Los Angeles. Um, check out everything on – you can look at the Los Angeles Theater on Facebook. Um, we have a lot of great events. We just did um, a sold-out event, about 900 seats for a Cinespia event uh, mm-hmm. where they did a showing of Breakfast at Tiffany's last night uh, for Valentine's Day. It was really Aww. cute. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of drunk couples, but everybody got dressed Aww. up like for, yeah. the, for the event. Like They were at, going for breakfast at Tiffany's. Like Audrey, oh, There's yeah. many Audrey Hepburns yep. last night. So it's really cool. So there's, there's a lot of events like that. We're also doing a lot of concerts downtown now. So uh, come back to Bring Back Broadway. Uh, come downtown, check it out. Everything's on the up and up, and you can find me uh, at Craig Ernest or Craig Ernest and the Twitter links. Awesome. Thanks, for, thanks, Noah. You bet, Craig. What about you, Renee? <laughs> All right. So my name is Renee Michelle Aranda. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, same uh, username or what do you call it? Handle, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the at sign and R-E-N-M-I-C-A-R-A. I say Ren Makara. Uh, I am a an in-house producer for a production company called uh, plus entertainment we make made for TV movies for Cine Latino. And I like to take any headshot and resume that I can for any up and coming actor. We're more of kind of like an intern thing. We do get TV exposure, but we're more about giving that opportunity to sure. actors that don't really have a face yet. So you can send me your headshots and resume. I'm prepared for whatever <laughs> comes after this because I've, <laughs> I've started to post this on groups and man, my inbox is blown but uh you can send your stuff to starparkstudios at gmail.com i would love to see your headshots um and other than that i post regular like model pictures that i end up doing and whatever projects i work on i also freelance produce so i have a lot of random passion stuff going on all the time but mostly we work on those tv movies all right great well thank you guys so much for coming out and doing this it was a lot of fun Hopefully you guys had fun. Did yeah. you? You guys look so defeated right now. Are you guys gonna happy just, about it? It's hot in here, guys. Yeah, you it don't is understand. really hot. The, the air out. is not on in this <laughs> conference room. But all right, great. Well, Thanks, thank you Noah. guys you, so Noah. much. And the next one we're gonna do is the Godfather. Ooh. So yeah. that's gonna Get be exciting. It. I've never yeah. seen it. It's this. Oh, I'm gonna take the cannoli. Oh, it's gonna be good. It. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. This has been an Aussie Cobb Media production. Executive producers Noah Kinsey and Brian Nicholas. For more information, visit ozzycobb.com. Listener.